You're listening to Customer Perspective, an Ipsos podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 3, recorded the week of September 28th, 2020. This is an Ipsos podcast series aimed at all of you who are concerned in some way with customer experience or indeed channel performance. I'm Helen Wilson. I'm here with Jamie Thorpe of Ipsos and John Walker of Nest. Now, Jamie, first off, Jamie joined us back in June, I think it was, and we brought him on because we wanted to hear from him and his colleagues or his equivalents in Canada and Hong Kong to get a perspective on the conversations that they were having with their clients. Now, Jamie, obviously, being Jamie, has taken it that one step further, and Jamie has has actually brought in a real-life client. So, Jamie, thank you so much. Welcome. And even more importantly, John Walker, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you both here this afternoon. Helen, thank you very much. You are, as usual, far too kind, um, but it's great to be here. Um, and as you say, um, really great to be joined uh, by John Walker from Maersk. So uh, Maersk is one of our um, longstanding, most important CX clients. And so when I said to John, you know, this is the kind of thing we're doing at the moment, I'd really love to have you come on and talk about this. He was very willing, and so that's very kind. So, so hey, John, um, be great if you would uh, for... Those who are watching and listening, just uh, give us an introduction, if you could, please. Thank you very much, Jamie. First of all, thank you very much for inviting me on board. I'm delighted to be here. Um, So I lead customer insight and uh, solutions for Maersk. And what this means in the customer experience space is that we help the business understand what kind of customer experience we are delivering today um, uh, across all our different touch points and products and geographies. And we do that through a combination of both NPS and customer satisfaction. But perhaps more importantly, we help the business understand what we can do to improve that customer experience. So that's helping the business power the flywheel of continuous improvement. And again, through the lenses of product, touchpoint, industry vertical, or geography. So pulling all the levers to try to improve that customer experience and and drive towards better retention and, and better customer commercials. Perfect. That's brilliant. Thank you, John. And um, obviously, uh, you and I have known each other for a while. So whilst I know you are relatively new into Maersk, you're not new into the world of, of CX. So uh, I'm, um, for the for the audience, um, very interested in your view on the CX market as a whole and how it's evolved in uh, in these recent times. It's, uh, it's very interesting. I mean, obviously, I've been doing customer experience since before we called it customer experience. Um, but what I've seen is a, is a really interesting transformation uh, to be an increasingly data-led discipline. So very early on, of course, we had a very strong focus on, on heart, if you will, doing the right thing for the customer. But, of course, what we see more, uh, ever more increasingly, uh, is a focus on, on the head. So leveraging quantitative data from various resources to, to really anchor the recommendations and, and improvements that we're making uh, in the customer experience. So, for example, at a, at a, at a previous uh, business at which I worked, we were able to match customer transactional data from our loyalty program to really quantify the value of really granular store-level pain points and show how different elements of the customer experience in the stores were creating financial lifts and drags. And I think that's a really interesting and, and exciting direction of travel for, uh, for customer experience, um, but also one that creates some challenges, right? It, it pulls on 
new uh, disciplines and, and skill sets that we might not have had, while still, uh, you know, the, the, the importance to be able to, to tell a story and to appeal to heart uh, remains uh, critical for, for a CX practitioner. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that, that whole head and heart, the, the emotional uh, and rational uh, is, is something that is incredibly important. I think we see more and more the two things, the two worlds colliding, actually. It's, it's interesting. And, and customers change. We talk about CX change, but obviously the change in, in, in us as consumers, what we expect, what we, what we demand, frankly, now in terms of everything from the experience we receive to, to how brands use the data and interact with us when it comes to, to us going through that journey with them. So it's really interesting that you mentioned that. And, and obviously, you know, I know you are now obviously in a B2B environment. Previously, you've, you've been in B2C. So it's, it's really nice that you've had exposure and experience in both. And a question that I get asked a lot on the you know, front line dealing with, with, with clients is, you know, what is the difference? You know, how much of a difference is there between B2B and, and B2C? So how do you see the differences in applications now that you've sort of gone from, from one to the other? On, in the first case, there, there's a, a, a tremendous number of parallels because, of course, fundamentally, we're, we're dealing with a common element, which is human interactions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so human emotions and perceptions and, and how we, we react to, to things is, is, a, is common across B2C as, as well as B2B. But I think one of the big differences is that in B2C, you can, you can reach peaks of emotional engagement um, because in some, in some product categories or services, the, the experience can be really important to us, to our personal identity, to how we see ourselves, to how we think others see us. And so you can reach these real incredibly high engagement categories where passions and loyalty can be just incredibly high. And, and my experience is you just don't see those, those peaks of, of engagement in, in, in the B2B context. Interestingly, um, you know, I think that can be quite frustrating to us as CX practitioners, right? Why, why can't I get more emotion? Why can't I get more advocacy? Why can't, why can't I see, you know, promoters, uh, as many promoters as perhaps as, in, as I can in the B2C space? And it's a little bit frustrating because um, you, you can still, the, the downside is still there, right? If you get it wrong, you can get people just as annoyed yeah, 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 in the B2B absolutely. space as in the B2C space. So in some sense, I think the game is almost a little bit, a little bit harder, Um the, the other point, I think, that, that really is, comes across as, as being different in the B2B space is you end up with different parties to the customer relationship, right? Whether that's personas or decision makers, you know, there's the contact that you have day to day. There might be a decision maker and there might be other extended stakeholders, all of whom might part, be party to uh, important commercial decisions. And so it's a slightly more complex uh, CX experience and CX picture than, than you might see in a, in a purely B2C space where there's going to be one person experiencing and one person making the decision. I think in many, in many ways the B2B space is, is more interesting and, and, and more challenging uh, yeah. in, in a good way. I'm really excited yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, the people connection is such an obvious one, but, but the thing that, that sometimes people miss, you know. I think it's interesting to hear it in your words from B2B customers there is a there is an assumption by those that maybe aren't in that space that because it's B2B and it's less personal, it you know, it's not as bad. But actually it can be more amplified as you say through this is someone could be someone's profession. Professional pride, you know, covering something internally, it has the potential to be hugely damaging. So yeah, the importance is is critical. I think when again when we think about B2B, you know, there's a clue in the title, obviously the business part of it. 
is is important and we are seeing lots and lots at the moment obviously around the the, the new normal as, as is uh, has been coined and and not by me the change in which people or the increased focus people are placing on customer experience. I mean, I'm old enough to have lived through the, the credit crunch 2008, 2009, and people investing in their CX programs, realizing and recognizing the importance of it to get closer to customers. And, and I'm seeing more of that again now. I think the one of the things that we're seeing come through is this financial, this commercial linkage between customer experience, the importance of every customer meaning so much more, but how we make sure, how organizations make sure they deliver a return on CX investment, Roxy as we call it. What's mm. your, your, your thoughts on Roxy in, in, in B2B CX and how important that is to, to you and your business? There's kind of two points I would really make about um, this, uh, the, the importance or the focus on, on demonstrating a return on, on customer experience investments. I, I think it, you know, very often in a lot of organizations, uh, I've seen the organization and, and the leaders talk about customer experience as being intention. We'd like to do the right thing for the customer, but it costs money. Mm. And I think being able to create a common currency in terms of um, a financial return on a customer experience investment can often uh, break that, that perceived uh, tension. Very oftentimes there are things, there are opportunities in, uh, uh, in the customer experience space that create positive um, uh, uh, improvements for the customer, but also generate a commercial return. And it just makes it such uh, such an easy decision when we're able to create a common currency in terms of a, a financial return. It can really break what can feel like a uh, like a like a real dilemma to, to leaders. Um, mm. So I think that's incredibly helpful. On the other hand, I think it's important not to let the the quest for the good get in the way of the the quest for the perfect get in the way of the good enough. And and, and you know, if you really fo focus on the, the the fundamental point, which is try to do the right thing for the customer, you, you can't go too wrong as a business, right? So yes, it's incredibly important to be able to to quantify the customer experience uh, return on investment. But but if in doubt, don't let that you know my encouragement would be don't let that hold you back. Mm -hmm. To do the right thing for the customer, even if you can't quantify it, because that that has to build loyalty, that has to build value, that has to make it easier to cross-sell other products yeah. and services, and win the the business from other customers like that one. Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, that's a really good point. I see, you know, anyone that's seen me on these various webinars and podcasts will know that I have a a, a phrase that it, it's um, it is mediocrity that will drive away customers, and and that's something mm. I've used uh, a lot. It's not disruption or digitization it, it's, it's mediocrity but it's interesting because in some you know and obviously we work with lots of different clients across lots of different sectors at lots of different stages on their CX journey and I was talking to a client recently and and you know getting the basics right at, at, at some in some businesses is is enough actually frankly and when you think about return on investment, people always think, actually, is it how do I get an increment in the spend? But actually, an efficiency is a return on investment as well. So you can reduce your costs and increase your, your income. And the, the delta between the two is, is, is that return on investment. So it's really interesting when you 
when you look at it that way. And, and sometimes people want those core deliverables because all of all CX is underwritten by a transaction of some shape or form. And yes, where you can add the cream, if you like, you can get the delight. But the core level of, of satisfaction is, is important in a number of spaces. Make a really interesting point there about um, about the, the efficiency. The, the return on investment can lie on uh, on our side in terms of uh, uh, better returns to us or can lie on the, on the customer side in terms of better value to them, which allows us to to, to price accordingly, right? So there's yeah. there's really interesting to understand where those value pools lie and, and, and therefore work in partnership with the customer to unlock them. I think, um, actually, you just triggered another thought in my head. When you talk about, you know, valuables and you use the word valuables and, and you know, those are, most people, let's be honest, most people or a lot of people maybe will know the Maersk brand and will have seen, you know, see the massive, you know, always, you know, I'm like a child every time you go past the ship, you know, you look at the size of that. And I try to explain to my nine-year-old son how they even get these things on the, the so it's fascinating, but the, so, but they won't necessarily know or understand that, that Maersk is making a serious investment in, in CX, you know, it is, a, and people's valuables, people shipping products from one side of the world to the other as part of the supply chain or the infrastructure of a, of a of, you know, of a market is, is so business critical. And so it's great to see businesses like Maersk invest in it. And you, you've seen this and obviously you're part of this. Any, any thoughts or views on how Maersk has moved towards CX in, in this journey, in this customer experience journey? Well, Jamie, I smiled at, at, at your your uh, your your point um, about the, the the wonder of, of, of shipping. So I absolutely felt my inner nine year old when, <laughs> when I joined Maersk and, and went to went to the the, the Porto Felixstowe Felix and and, and yep. saw uh, uh, one of our ships and and the container yard. It's it was just awe inspiring. I just yeah. I conceptually knew the, the the scale of the business and and the scale of what what we do as a, as as a, as a logistics company, but to know it up here and to see it in person is just so so different and just genuinely awe inspiring. You know, it really gives um gives you an appreciation for uh for for what's what's happening at the front line and how that translates to the to the customer experience. Um, I mean, America's on an incredibly exciting journey to be more customer centric, and and it's super exciting to be part of this. I mean, our our vision is is to um, become the integrator of event and logistics there, there's such a tremendous opportunity to deliver better customer experiences and and more value uh, to, to to our customers by being able to bring together more of the end-to-end -end logistics but of course to be able to, un to unlock that we have to be incredibly customer centric and able to work in genuine partnership with our customers to help tailor the right connections for the right kinds of products that meet their needs and, and you know their needs not not just in a region but but globally um, from warehousing to shipping to, to to land transportation to air freight to to, to rail and, and and everything in between so it's been really fascinating to be to be part of that journey um, and and I think the the pandemic ha and and the coronavirus uh, has uh, in, so far in 2020 has has really reinforced to Maersk, um, uh, the value of, of, of being customer-led and, and being customer-centric. Because what we've seen, of course, is across all of our different customers, incredibly varied responses in terms of what they needed from us. So some customers early in the pandemic needed us to really accelerate shipments, right? Urgent shipments of protective equipment early in the pandemic before supply chains were in, and production was regularized. Or conversely, some customers needed us to, to slow down or, or reroute um, their goods, uh, you, you know, for example, in, in regions where stores were 
uh, closed or, you know, and as responses vary over time and across global geographies, global global countries, we're seeing uh, shippers really need tailored responses. And so, I mean, I think if anything, um, the importance of being customer-centric has really only been reinforced to, to me, but also to the business um, yeah. by by the needs of our customers and, and how those have varied over the over the course of, of the of the global pandemic. Yeah, no, that's 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 interesting. Obviously, I see that firsthand. I see the you know the hunger and the, the the passion for this within your business, and obviously, it's it's fantastic to see. Um, you know, you end to end just triggered again something in my head. Um, you mentioned end to end in terms of your 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 service chain in terms of CX end to end. Closed loop, you know, again, is something that is incredibly important. One of the three things that we're seeing, Roxy, maturity frameworks, and, and closed loop are the three things that pretty much every client is talking about, and I know we've spoken about it before. It'd be great to get your views on, on the importance of closed loop and the part it plays in, in CX. We've all had that experience as, as consumers where we've been asked for and we've given feedback and we just sort of vaguely wonder, does it go anywhere? Does anybody actually look at this? and 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 it's it is so powerful as individuals when when you get an acknowledgement of your of your of, you know as, as consumers it's so powerful when an organization when a company that brand that you're shopping with responds and closes the loop with you uh, and, and says thank you for your feedback and and you know and especially in a B2B context we're able to to potentially feedback about the actions that were taken and it is so impactful uh, and so I think it's it's incredibly important not just because it makes us feel listened to and valued as 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 customers um but also because i think and especially in the b2b context it gives us the opportunity to tell the customer what we're doing differently on the back of their feedback and of course that's another difference to the to the b2c space where it it, it just can be quite difficult to give any kind of specific feedback in anything other than really exceptional cases you you, you sort of you know you're frequently stuck in the generic uh, thank you for your feedback we'll, we're taking it very seriously in the B2B space, of course, because relatively smaller customer volumes, higher value, you can be more specific about that. And it's so powerful. It drives real engagement on the part of the um, the customer who, who gave the feedback. Um, and it makes them, you know, it, it, it. I think one of the key messages that I deliver to, that, that, that I tell our, our frontline colleagues is, this isn't an ask of the customer, right? We all, as human beings, love to feel listened to and and. And it, we're all ego-led creatures at, at heart, and so to be asked for our feedback, to be asked for our expertise, to be asked for our opinion, makes us feel valued. And uh, and and especially when we then play back and close the loop and show how how we've listened and taken it on board. I mean, that right there drives tremendous engagement. So I think Absolutely. it's important from a learning perspective, but also it's it's self-reinforcing. It will drive more engagement in and of yep. itself. It's great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely right. And it's it's you know one of my three. Um, top customer trends we see, you know, know me, hear me, value me, and you, mm, you know, yes. listening, you know, know, use the data that you've got to to engage me, hear me, let me, you know, I want to tell you what I think when I think it, and value me, and value me isn't financial. People often think it, it's that closed loop. It's that yeah. I value what you're saying. I'm going to do something with it. Absolutely, so that, that, absolutely, that's brilliant. If I had to ask you to share your experience with those new to CX or at the early stage of CX maturity, and I'm. Is there such a thing now? Let's assume for now that there is. People are just starting on a CX journey, but they're new to CX, early stage of CX maturity. What are the things that you would say are critical? What learnings would you impart to those people? First and foremost, uh, probably three things I'd, I'd highlight. First and foremost, um, bring head and heart to bear. So data, but also 
be able to articulate a big picture vision about what good looks like, make it inspiring, don't make it just a factual description, paint a picture, right? So engage both head and heart, uh, engage the, the uh, amongst your internal stakeholders, both head and heart. In the B2B context, I would say think about the various personas or stakeholders and how they variously influence the outcomes you're trying to achieve. It's, it's a more complex landscape than in the B2C space. And I think finally and most importantly, build those close alliances with the customer-facing parts of the business that you're trying to mobilize, that you, that you need to influence, because very few customer experience functions own the touch points or channels uh, uh, or elements of the proposition. And so it's just incredibly important that, that we have, have that close trusted relationship where our expertise is getting translated into changes that will, will actually be felt by the customer. So those would be my three key lessons. Perfect. And uh, not one of those I could disagree with. That's really helpful, mate. Thank you so much. So, um, yeah, that's good. It wasn't a test. You know, it was just <laughs> Thank you. So to wrap then, final question. You know, if we all knew this, right, if we all knew 12 months ago what we know now, but uh, what, what, what next? What do you think? CX profession, what do you think? You know, what can you see coming down the line? Well, thank you. That's a, that's an easier question than a, than a, than a, a generic view of what's the future will hold. Uh, boy, I wish I knew. Um, no, in terms of the CX profession, I'm fairly confident saying there's there's three things that are going to continue. I think we're only going to continue to see increased customer expectations, right? As even in the business to business space, we're of course influenced as human beings by the experiences we have as as consumers, and those are only going to continue to get more sophisticated, more advanced, and we're going to expect the businesses with whom we interact to be able to keep pace and, and, and improve similarly. Um, so I think we're going to continue to see B2C driving increased B2B customer expectations. I think we're going to see more expectation of and, and use of, of, of real-time data. So we're going to expect brands and the, and the B2B providers that we interact with to be as responsive. And, and when we tell them something, we're going to expect them to have reflected that across all their touch points and channels and, and, and members of the extended supplier community, right? We'll expect to tell one person and for everybody in that organization to know that thing. And that's going to just drive a real continued reliance on, on data. And as B2B providers, the ability to bring that data together for the customer and make it, uh, make it transparent and, and, and visible and usable by all the different touch points or stakeholders that are interacting with our customers to bring a more consolidated, uh, uh, a better view. So I think those are the, the, the three things that I would expect to, to continue to see happen in the in the CX space. John, not only have you uh, answered all the questions, you've done it in the power of three as well, which I absolutely love every single time. Um, John, on a serious note, I know you're busy. Um, I know how much you've got on. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your views. Hugely valuable to me, but I know I need to, for people obviously that will be listening um, and, and watching this. Great to know the good work that you're doing at, at, at Mask and um, the journey you're on. So, um, Yes, thank you so much. You are very kind. Um, and, uh, yeah, back to you, Helen. Thank you so much. Thank you to both of you. Do you know, for me, it's an absolute pleasure. So I normally sit in Jamie's seat. But for me to actually be able to listen to you without having to think about my next question was, was wonderful. I'm a complete B2B geek, so this is my passion area. So I, I thoroughly enjoy this. I love the fact that I could hear, do you know, that fantastic spectrum from your inner nine-year-olds all the way through to strategic CX guide. So it was a pleasure from start to finish in groups of three. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you both. And thank you, John Walker of MESC. Absolute pleasure. 
for our listeners, if you need to know anything else, if you've got any questions, then just head across to customerperspective at ipsos.com should you have any uh, emails, questions that you want to send us. And of course, check out our information on ipsos.com to find out more about customer experience at Ipsos. But for now, until next week, thank you. Thank you for listening to Customer Perspective, an Ipsos podcast. New episodes will be made available each week, so be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get the latest episodes delivered directly to you. We are also available on Spotify.